Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is David Kep, author of the new novel, Aurora. Stephen King said about Aurora, fantastic story, a real page turner, impossible to put down. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, Aurora, how would you describe the novel? Um. Well, it's a uh, it's it, it's a it's a suspenseful uh, novel. It's a thriller um, with a very strong sense of this family relationship, a brother and a sister. Um, it's a science based premise about a, a solar flare that uh, that causes a coronal mass ejection that knocks power out over the entire globe. And I I want, but I didn't want to tell some big disaster epic that covers everything in the world. I wanted to focus on two communities, one very, very prepared and the other not at all prepared. And those are sort of embodied by this brother and sister. And I wanted to see if those their fortunes could cross over the course of the story. Interesting. And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Aurora? You know, I've been interested in the idea, the sort of the themes of powerlessness, both literal and figurative, for a very long time. My first, the first movie I directed uh, uh, in '96 was called "The Trigger Effect," um, which was about a blackout. And but that was very narrow focus. It covered three people over three days. Um, you never knew what was going on in the rest of the world. And I, I did want to broaden it. I, I kept thinking, in the years after, oh, it would be really interesting to see this. But for a year, you know, or what is it like when society? has no power for that, you know, length of time. And so I would just research it every once in a while, um, looking for a plausible way that that might occur, because though it's not a science novel, I wanted the science to be well-grounded. And so once I looked into it, you know, if you're interested in the idea of, you know, solar radiation that, that affects the Earth's magnetosphere, you don't have to Google much to come across the Carrington event which was a massive solar eruption in 1859 that hit the earth full, full on. Um, they happen all the time. Solar ejecta occur three, four times a day during periods of high solar activity. But normally they drift off into space harmlessly, or they may have a glancing blow on the earth, cause a glancing blow to the earth. Um, but if, if one were to hit us full on, as it did in 1859 and does every couple hundred years, our entire electrical grid all over the world, all grids all over the world and everything plugged into them would be fried. And the more I researched, the more um, concerning the, the things I was reading became, because if you look at government reports, this isn't the idea of a critical infrastructure collapse is not you know, surprising to anybody. It's not foreign to people. It's to the government. And, but, but what we've done to prepare for it is almost nothing. So I found the premise uh, sort of scarily plausible. Interesting. Well, you just mentioned directing a movie and I didn't mention in the, in the, um, the intro and I wanted to to talk about your novels, but I did want to, to know that you've um, both directed movies and you've also written numerous extremely well-known screenplays, including Carlito's Way, Jurassic Park, 
Mission Impossible, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, and many, many more. I'm curious, what did lead you to writing novels? Um, it was sort of a natural evolution. I My ideas always come in movie form. They just always have. But I wrote short stories when I was a kid and in college and prior to starting work as a screenwriter. And I had an idea about five years ago for a book that became my first novel, Cold Storage. And I thought, I assumed it was a movie. And I thought, well, I'm going to write a little bit of prose to try to get to know this character. And so I wrote just a paragraph of him arriving at work because I thought he hates his job and it was an interesting way to meet the character. And I thought, oh, this is fun. I'm going to keep going. And at about, after about two pages, I realized, hey, this should be, this should be a short story. Uh, and then after about 10 pages, I realized, oh, maybe this should be a novella. And then after 80 pages, I had to admit, okay, fine, it's a book. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I kept at it. Well, what was that experience like for you of, of writing prose at that length after so many years of writing screenplays? Um, it was incredibly liberating. Uh, I, I found that, you know, screenplay writing is a very particular craft and you have a limited number of tools at your disposal. Um, as a screenwriter, the only things you can describe in your script are something an audience might see or might hear. And that is limiting. Um, you have to discuss what characters say and do, but pretty much nothing else. Uh, otherwise it's cheating. How is the director supposed to get that on screen? Um, but when I started writing in prose form, this, this book, I just, I suddenly realized, wow, for 30 years of screenwriting, I have not been able to, to talk about what a character sees or feels, I mean, feels or thinks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was, that was great. I got to go inside people's minds and talk about how they're feeling about something or anxiety leading up to an event instead of just describing the event. And it was, um, I, I could digress. I could go off for three pages about a job they had when they were in high school if I wanted. Um, and I could also be a smart ass in the description, which is something I enjoy. So, um, I found it, I found it almost dizzying the, the freedom. That's interesting. I'm I'm curious, as you mentioned the 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 structure and, and the limitations of screenplays, but I also wonder, you know, when when you did start writing um uh the prose for your first novel, Cold Storage, um, did you also out did you also end up outlining and and looking at pacing, or did you just kind of dive into the narrative and kind of see where it led you? Oh yeah. I, I certainly outlined, um, I outlined less before starting than I would for a screenplay. Um, screenplays are because they're more succinct. It's a more succinct form of uh, expression. Um, they can't be as digressive as a book. Um, screenplays tend to be outlined in fairly good detail before you write the first scene and they kind of need to be. Um, screenplays rely on strong structure more than any form of writing I know. Um, so, but, but with an, so with a novel, I, I, I certainly wasn't going to begin without having any idea where I was going. Um, so I outlined probably the first 50 pages 
and then I really had just jotted down some things that I'd wanted to happen in the middle. And I had a general idea of how it should end. But then I would write 20 pages, start to get a feel for who the people are and the pace of the book and what kind of book it is. And so I'd outline a little further ahead and write another 20 pages. And that process repeated so that I didn't really have a finished outline for the book until a few days before I finished writing it, which was a very different process than screenwriting. Right. And and I'm curious, uh, Aurora is your second novel. Have you written screenplays for your two novels now? Uh, yes, I wrote uh, Cold Storage. It, it appears we'll start shooting in, in January. Um, and uh, I'm working on the script for Aurora as we speak um, for the director, Catherine Bigelow. Um, we sold it to Netflix with Catherine directing and She's, of course, the brilliant director of The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty and many others. That's great. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you, you mentioned writing short stories, and I was just wondering about your initial um, journey into film. Did you start out writing screenplays, or were you someone who was making movies in your backyard as a kid and then, and then trying to get into film led you to writing screenplays? How, how did that work for you? Um, I was making movies in my backyard as a kid. Um, and it was, it was great fun, but I didn't ever see my, I didn't see myself as a film director. I wasn't of a mind that I want to go direct films. I, um, I always saw myself as a writer. Um, but that around that time and around high school, I got, um, very interested in acting. I started being in all the plays in my high school. I actually went to college for acting. Uh, and while there I took, I was at the university of Wisconsin, Madison. And while I was there, I was taking some playwriting courses as well. And I, the thing I noticed immediately was when you write something, you don't need anyone's permission. You just start. And uh, to be an actor, you, you need someone to cast you. You need them to agree. <laughs> and, um, I got, you know, though I was, possibly the finest actor in my uh, small town of Pewaukee, Wisconsin. I, he was not in Madison, Wisconsin. There were a lot of people that were better than me. <laughs> and I thought, I can, can, I can beat my head against the wall trying to beat these people up for parts, but they're really good, and I love writing. So I, I started focusing on that and uh, quickly realized it was films I wanted to write, not plays. And so I applied to film school at UCLA and thankfully got in, so I transferred there my junior year. That's great. Um, I'm curious, have you started thinking about or planning to write another novel? I have. Well, yes, I have one. Um, As each of my four kids has said at one point or another about a term paper they have to write, um, it's all done. I just have to type it up. (laughs) So my, my next novel's all done in my head. I just have to type it up. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. 
After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That's great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or screenplays or novels? Um, you know, I read a long time ago when I was uh, 20-ish. I, I read a quote in a magazine and tore it out. So that tells you how long ago it was. Um, I read a quote from some writer who said that you need to fall in love with the daily process of putting words on paper. Uh, if you can do that, you'll win because all, and all the rest of the stuff will figure it out. We'll, we'll sort itself out. So I, I, I was really heartened by that. And I would repeat that advice to anybody. It's, the finding an agent, a publisher, a, you know, a Hollywood producer, all that stuff happens easily if your book or script are good. But far and away, far and away, the hardest part is writing something good. And there's a reason that, you know, these things happen rarely. And when they sales of, you know, a book or, or, or script, and when they do, it's a big deal because they're good ones are hard to come by. Um, so I would say try to try not to be result oriented and try to be process oriented. Um, you know, but plus chair equals script. And if you if you do the daily process of writing for long enough and seriously enough, I, I bet it'll work out. That's great. I'm curious, what was your experience in terms of uh, the the overall process of getting these two novels published? Because as most people who are familiar with um, the film industry in Hollywood, that it's an extremely collaborative art form. How did it feel to to um, you know to be working on a novel and making lots of choices where you didn't have to um, be in a writer's room, et cetera? Well, I've never been in a writer's room um, because I've got more TV. It, it is. Um, it is TV. And I've just never done TV. I mean, I did 20 years ago. I did a pilot and first episode of something, but not since then or before. Um, so 
the but Hollywood, you know, they they, they do use the word collaborative, and it is uh, sort of relentlessly collaborative. Um, I feel you're you're often collaborated upon rather than with. <laughs> um, and I understand why. You know, you need it if 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 you the writer do your job well, it's not enough. Uh, you need a number of other people to do their job well. Uh, a director, some actors, a producer, a director of photography, a composer. The great movies we love um, are the result of a whole bunch of people hitting their perfect stride at the same moment. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of my favorite movies. Obviously, Steven Spielberg was absolutely hitting the peak of his stride, at the peak of his stride. He's still in it. Um, Lawrence Kasdan, the writer. Uh, George Lucas with a brilliant idea and story. Harrison Ford, John Williams. All these people are hitting the peak um, of their abilities. And so, and not just that, but you need tens of millions of somebody else's dollars to make a movie. So if you as a writer don't like the idea of a lot of input into your script and a lot of cooks in the kitchen and having to fight for things you love and accept setbacks and um, all that stuff, then you shouldn't, if you're uncomfortable with that, you shouldn't get into screenwriting. Um, I'm not saying I like it that way all the time. I don't, it's a very, it can be a very frustrating and very fulfilling way to work. When I wrote the first novel and got notes from an, first of all, I wrote it in blissful, um, solitude. Nobody <laughs> knew I was writing it. I didn't tell anybody I was writing it. Nobody cared. Nobody expected it. There was no pressure. So I just got to have the creative fun. And then when I sold it and started working with an editor, he, you know, he called to give me his first round of notes. And I was struck by how gentle it was. <laughs> he was so nice about everything. And he said, you know, you might consider, and I wonder if, and of course, don't do this if you don't think so. It was and I, I, I tried not to laugh, and I said, "I'm sorry. I, you just don't know what I've been used to for 30 years." <laughs> um, so it's, it, it, and that aspect is is great. It, it's way it's yours. It's yours. You don't, you don't need anyone else to do their job well, uh, particularly. And and however, the downside of that is you must do yours. Everything is on you including getting people to buy it. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, you lack the joy of having a, a group success, uh, but you also lack the bitter resentment of being part of a group failure. <laughs> That's great. Well, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, you know, I just read, this is very, uh, you know, um, like a plumber reading a, a book about wrenches, but uh, Paul Hirsch is a film editor who wrote a memoir um, called a long time ago in a cutting room, far, far away. You may guess he edited star Wars and it's just very inside baseball um, movie making stuff. And I loved it. I loved every, every page and chapter of it. Um, it especially was interesting because it covered the, um, the emergence of an independent film movement in the sixties and how that sort of changed the studio system, um, into something 
Well, it's changed several times since then, but it changed it massively from what it was. So that was interesting. So then I picked up Peter Bart's book uh, about the history of Paramount pictures from the same era. Um, in things that aren't about my profession, um, I did, these are, I did an interesting thing lately. I went back and reread some books that I liked when I was in my late teens, because I think those are the super formative years. And I wanted to see why I wanted to see if the, the taste I had then was still similar, you know, 40 years later. And it was, I read one or two Kurt Vonnegut books and one or two Stephen King books of that era, who for me were the two most influential authors. And, and, um, I still love them. And I, and I, I think I probably still imitate them. That's great. What, what films or directors have, have excited you in recently? Recently, it, it's a, it's a very good question because a lot of my references are older films, particularly films of the 1940s. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the, and the, and the 1970s, of course, those are probably the two uh, big eras that I'm most influenced by and, and, uh, impressed by. Um, so I haven't seen a lot of contemporary movies that I've found quite as, um, inspirational. And there's, I have some, I have a theory about that if you're curious, but yeah, sure. I'm not curious. I'll get into my theory in one second. And not that question completely. One one movie I did see recently that I absolutely loved was uh, uh, the Top Gun Maverick, which I thought was that is an example of Hollywood doing what it does extremely well. And Hollywood not as a dirty word, but as you know, show business. Sure, popular entertainment for a lot of people. I thought that movie was so simple in its concept, clear in its expression. And so highly executed at every level. I, I just, I was, I, I was just, I just loved it. Um, and did not expect to, cause I didn't like the first one. It was the mid eighties. It was really sort of jingoistic Reaganism era stuff. And that just wasn't my, you know, I was a liberal college student who looked down his nose at all that. And, and this one, I don't know. I just, I just loved it. Um, but my theory about, about why maybe the forties and the seventies are my thing is it gets kind of back to rereading authors. I liked from that era or from that age. I think you go through this period kind of roughly from about 14 to 24 when everything you're absorbing in terms of books, music, movies, art in general, that stuff like burns these neural pathways into your head and your tastes are formed. And I think your tastes can change and refine over the decades. Refine. They don't really change. Um, and so I guess, you know, in, in my teens and early 20s, I was looking at a lot, a lot of movies from the 1940s on TV. And I grew up going to see a lot of movies from the 19, late 1970s. Um, so that's my, that's my big theory. Interesting. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novel, Aurora? Um, well, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, at uh, uh, DGKep. Um, easy to find. Just search my name. It's the one with the blue check, not the weird one that 
asks you if you're married or single. Um, that's a spammy guy. Uh, and if you're curious, I have a website, davidkep.com, which I recommend. You'll have to look past the fact that I'm trying to sell you books and get you to buy movies and stuff. But go to Script Archive if you're interested in screenplays, because I took about 25 years of scripts, um, many, many drafts of some of them, like a whole bunch of drafts of Spider-Man, and scanned them and, and put them online in a script archive. So for, for years I was asked, hey, can I get a copy of such and such? And I thought, I'm just going to bite the bullet and put these all on a website. And so they're all there um, for free. And so if anybody's interested in screenplays, that's a that's a great place to find some. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with David Kep, author of the new novel, Aurora. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And David, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Nice talking. Yeah, great. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.